Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, good evening and welcome to the Fatback 4 on the LFC Day Trippers. I'm your host, Keith, and tonight, you may see, I'm joined not by four, but by two, sorry, not four of us, but three of us. Matt's dream comes true. We're not the Fatback 4 now. We've switched the three at the back. Uh, delighted to be joined by Matt and delighted to be joined by Emmett. Lads, how are you? Oh, good. Good. Yeah. Steve yeah. called it, I read Steve called it in the Telegram today, the three fat the back. <laughs> That sounds yeah. good, yeah, yeah. There you go. There's always a way of getting these things in, isn't there? There's always a where there's a will, there's a way. Uh, tonight's show, we're going to talk about obviously Liverpool's last game before the World Cup break against Southampton. We're going to have a look at what the break means for Liverpool, where Liverpool are, are currently standing, and how the season is starting to look and shape up for us. What we expect to see going forward, and anything else that you want to have a little chat about, um, throwing in there, then we can have a look. Um, Matt, I'm going to start with you. The game yesterday, um, yeah. how did you find it? Were you happy when the team news came out? Yeah, yeah, I think this, you know, there's not a lot of options that we can make. Uh, a bit disappointing to see some of the injuries that got picked up, you know, before the game. It would have been good to see Ramsey, you know, on the bench, maybe get a few minutes at the end. I mean, we had to resort to pushing Joe Gomez out the right back, and that should have been minutes that Calvin Ramsey got under his belt, but... It is what it is. You know, we're all, I think, hoping that Ibu Kanate is just a precaution for him heading off to the World Cup and not a recurrence of his injury because we certainly don't need another player developing an injury history that is troublesome. But now yeah, the lineup was more than good enough. I was confident going into the game and proved to be rightly so. Emmett, how did you find the, the formation? Yeah, similar. Similar, yeah. Look, uh, I was. I was happy enough with it. Um, I know people have the, the daggers out for Gomez, but I, look, he's still a decent player and probably just gone through a bad patch, the same as all the other players have been going through. So, um, look, um, Kanate was my only concern um, because it was like he's not in the starting eleven. I he must be on the bench. He wasn't on the bench. So, like Matt, I don't know if anybody's heard anything. I've not heard anything. 
Um, it'd be just interesting to to uh, to hear why why that was. Yeah, I don't know. Um, what well, suppose if anyone throwing in the chat there, if anyone's uh, aware of that, I was a bit skeptical seeing Gomez. I have to be honest, lads. Um, he has not filled me with confidence in these type of games. Do you know what I mean? He's been good in against. We spoke very good against Man City, good against Erling Haaland, and then dropped the ball like against Forest and against Leeds. So to see him in here against Southampton, a struggling enough team, a new manager in there. But they're they're not bad. They're not as bad as their position. Well, they're obviously as bad as their position says. But there's some decent players in there, Matt, don't they? I mean, you're looking at the Southampton line up there, and straight away, I'm looking at who's their creative players. And in James Ward Prowse, they really do have a, a weapon that can hurt most teams. And we'll move on to the game in a minute. But he was the danger man for me. Did anyone else stand out on the Southampton side for you beforehand? Not not overly. I mean, you kind of know before going in with Ward Prowse, you can't just be giving away silly free kicks around the edge of the box because his record from free kicks is pretty much unparalleled in the Premier League. You know, he is absolutely a brilliant, brilliant free kick taker. And as we get into the game, we'll find out that that's exactly how they ended up with their goal was a brilliant ball from James Ward Prowse and, you know, some less than stellar defending, but it's it's one of the reasons why heading in doing our season previews that I was saying that for me, Southampton was a relegation candidate because you just look at their team and Shea Adams and Adam Armstrong and the other Armstrong stretcher Armstrong. I think it is. They just, they don't, they don't scream goal scorers. And you start looking at those teams that are now occupying that bottom part of the table that we're at the halfway point of the season. And this, the teams that are struggling for goals, Wolves struggling for goals, you know, West Ham, Everton, if you can't score, you're not going to win. And if you don't win, you're going down. Like it's that's, that's my John Madden wisdom for the evening, but I Southampton's got a goal scoring problem. They need to fix that in January. Indeed they do. Indeed they do. So Emma, the game starts off um Liverpool got off to a good start. They score after five minutes is it? six minutes, Bobby Firmino. Um, what did you make of the, the goal? Yeah, it's, Look, for the, at the start, it was like, I actually tested my stream. I know streams can be slow, but I thought I was watching a game from last year for the first while because um, everybody seemed to everybody seemed to know where everybody was. It was quick, one-touch football. The ball was getting played out to Robbo, and he was whipping it in across the box low, whereas we'd been sending them in high the last few weeks. Yeah. So we kind of reverted back, and that's, that's kind of nearly was our identity for the last few seasons. Um, but it's very, very clever from... Um, Firmino with the rubber ball in and he just helps around. Is he looking to score? I don't know. I, I think he's looking to maybe flick it on to the back post and let somebody else to score. But look, it was a good touch and uh, a great ball in from Rob. I think he got two assists yesterday, wasn't it? So yeah. uh, it was great. It was great to see. Yeah, we just looked back to our to, back to our best. Um, we're kind of nearly playing playing balls. Kind of, I don't want to say it's telepathy, but it was kind of like we knew. If we played the ball there, there would be somebody there. Whereas in previous weeks, it was they were only arriving and it was they were, they were kind of pushed off the ball or whatever. It was literally everything we 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 passed was was getting to feet. Indeed, indeed. Uh, Matt, did you think it was an intentional header, or were you of the opinion he was just flicking it on? I if it was intentional, he's even more brilliant than we give him credit for. I mean, it's it's got to count as another no look Bobby goal. Uh, that's yeah. for sure. There's no way he was looking at the target there. But I I, I think a few. A few questions have to be raised over what Bazunu was doing because he clearly takes a step or two to his left and he's just 
just goes past his fingertips. But now there's no way, you know, he was what, 16, 15, 16 yards out from goal. You're not going for goal there unless you're Luis Suarez. Or Bobby Firmino, because to me, it looked like he was perfectly flicking that into the bottom corner. So I won't give him 100% that Bobby meant that one. Um, and it was a good start for Liverpool. Look, make no, it was nice to get that start. Rather than, you know, the slow starts we've become accustomed to uh, this season, it's nice that they're starting to, you know, try and take the game to the oppositions. But about a minute later, um, Emmett, were one down. And, and James Ward-Prowse, who just spoke about him and, and about his, his delivery from set pieces, you can't be giving them in these areas, can you? And they, they made us pay. He does. He has, he has a want uh, of a foot. And to be honest with you, when we went one up, you kind of nearly think, oh, that's it now. We're just going to get the tails of you up and we're going to run away with it. And like you said, I, think, well, I don't know how long it was. About a minute or two, was it? Yeah, something like that. But the, the ball in, and I, and I think what's happened is, is I think the high line disappeared for a while there um, mm -hmm. as we kind of nearly kind of regrouped. But I think it's beginning to, we're beginning to play it again because it was a few times yesterday you see Virgil losing the rag with a line off or not putting up the flag. We've not seen that in a, in a few weeks. So it's kind of nearly like it's creeping back in. And I think we obviously were playing high on the edge of the box um, and maybe just one or two switched off to the fact that we're now kind of holding this line again. I think it might have been Robbo and Fabinho that actually played Che Adams on. Whereas if they had held that line, I think he probably would have been offside. Yeah. Um, I originally thought that Allison slipped coming out, but he didn't um, when I watched the back. But um, I just think, yeah, look, with balls like that, it's the, not necessarily the corridor of uncertainty, but it's like it's do the defenders drop, do the keeper come? It, it just creates that kind of havoc. And so he did well to finish it. Like, yeah, it's it's the ball, the delivery from Ward Prowse. He's he's excellent at that. Let's be honest, he's he's brilliant at putting them in there. And and you're right, it's not necessarily the corridor of uncertainty, but it's it's a ball that has so much pace on it that all uh, Che Adams has to do is just let it hit him. Do you know what I mean? And then it'll guide it in. And it was a great goal, you know, and it puts Southampton back in. But you know, that's when in the first ten minutes, Liverpool didn't let that affect them. I don't think, Matt. Did they? They 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 got on with it, and then then it becomes. Let's call it the Darwin Nunes show because mm. Nunes then picks one out. Um, it, it's a lovely goal. The Nunes force one, isn't it? It's a beautiful goal. Uh, yeah, the the pass from Harvey Elliott is just sumptuous. It's the sort of thing that we're probably expecting of him a little bit more. He hasn't really, for as well as I think that Harvey's played this season, he hasn't really stamped himself on the game too much. You know, in an offensive way, he had that nice goal against Bournemouth, but I mean, everybody was scoring that day, so it doesn't really count all that much. But just absolutely perfect, perfect use of Darwin's speed. Like it's that same, it's that same breaking, breaking the line speed that Erling Holland was showing in the first, you know, 10, 12 games of the season, where even if he's level or a yard or two behind the line, he's just got so much pace that he can get onto the end of it and just. A lovely instinctive finish. It was good to see him not try to blast it and knock the post right out of the ground either. So, yeah, it's a, a, a shape of things to come because once Trent can find his passing boots a little bit better, you know, when we're back in January, I think that's we're going to be seeing a lot more of that because I was expecting to see that coming into the season of, you know, letting the ball come out and looking like the attack is kind of dying off and then just whipping it in over the top and letting him run onto it. So very good to see. Yeah, Emmett, we, we spoke about the Ward-Prowse delivery and Che Adams just having to hear that. And, and this was much the same 
because Darwin, well, it's a lovely finish, but you know, the pace on the ball is just perfect, isn't it? From Harvey, and, yeah. and all he has to do is just touch it, and it's it's gone past Bazunu. It's a fantastic ball in by uh, Ellie, and and with 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 the versus the Ward Prowse one, I think Nunez obviously has a lot more to do. Like yeah. to like it's that the natural kind of direction for that ball to go in is to the to the to the near post put to put it back across the goal, um, and like what Matt said there as well is start of the season he's probably snatching at them and it's ended up in the upper Anfield road end like do you know what I mean but he's he just seems more controlled now the last few games and he's placing them and I mean two goals like do you know what I mean it's it, it, it seems to be and the, 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 un, the unfortunate thing is is that he seems to be playing his best football from the left hand side so yeah. what kind of a problem do we have now when Diaz comes back and does he have to readjust the plane through the middle I, I don't necessarily think he, he has a problem readjusting, but I think playing out on the left for the last while has probably given him that a little bit more kind of room and it's, he's kind of found his feet a little bit. So hopefully that will stand to him if he is moved back into the into the middle when uh, when Diaz comes back. But yeah, that's, that's a, we spoke about the finishes last week from Salah. That's, that's as difficult to finish um, as Salah's last week. Yeah, it's excellent. It's it's just placed, and that's the most impressive thing about it. Is and it's laced you know, as well. I don't think it's yeah. the side of his foot. It's his laces. It's even yeah. harder. But it, it's just it's a feather touch, isn't it? But it's it's enough power to get in where it needs to go. And you touch on it there. You know, you see some players that snatch it, and we see Darwin would have snatched that. That you know, and what we're seeing now is a player that's building his confidence. He's, he's starting to to become more accustomed. Look. I want to talk more about him in a minute, but um, we, we'll move on to the second goal and then we'll have a longer chat about Darwin. So um, the second goal comes along and it's Andy. It's it's a great goal. So um, Emma, Emma, take it away. What do you want to say about this one? Nunez's second goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, I kind of mentioned it earlier on. We're, we're like Robertson. I have to say, has been excellent the last few games. Um, and but he is. He was getting up and down that wing on uh, Saturday, and it's just the the ball across. And the, the good thing to see is, and we've probably seen over the last while, is that there's probably only one person in the middle. The good thing to see is, is that if Nunes doesn't get that, Salah gets it. Um, but it was kind of like, Nunes was like, get the fuck out of here, I'm, get, I'm getting to this ball force, which again is something else that's that's good to see. Um, but um, yeah, so two, nil, two, two goals up uh, going into half time. But delighted for him. And I think... I know I do anyway, but I, th- I think maybe Anfield and the crowd probably cheer that little about a ten percent extra when yeah. Nunes gets a goal because of all the, the flack he's had to take, and I think he probably celebrates them that ten. Well, I'd probably say fifty percent extra in terms of him celebrating, um, which is great to see as well. And it's kind of like once once you get the Anfield crowd on your side, once you get the Liverpool crowd on your side, um, that helps an awful lot as well. And I think the the abuse that he got at the start. And now with the way he's celebrating and the way that they're cheering his goals, I, I think uh, he's really settling in. Yeah, it's great to see. Um, Matt, the the goal by Nunes, it's it's it is a great goal. It's it's a great team goal, isn't it? Bobby sees the run of Robbo, puts it in, and they're the sort of goals that we probably haven't been seeing too much of this season, you know. And and it's probably no coincidence that it's um, a resurgent Robertson. As Emma has touched on there, that that's getting making that run and getting that cross in. 
he was probably a little bit off the boil at the start of the season, but he's starting to get back in and back in now to his best. And, and it makes all the difference. Um, as Emmett said, or it could have been yourself, about Trent on one side and Robbo on the other side, delivering them balls. If you've Darwin Nunes in there, that's been a, an absolute pest for defenders. It can only be good for us going forward in attacks, can't it? No kidding. Uh, I mean, it seemed yesterday to me that uh, Robertson got a lot more license to go forward than Trent did. Uh, Trent really seemed like he was under instruction to kind of stay back a little bit and not not stay in a line with uh, with the two center halves, but he certainly wasn't bombing on like Robertson. Like that was it was a vintage Robertson display, just full terrier power running all over the place. And uh, Kevo Sullivan had a comment in there about how Bobby dropping deep, and I was just rewatching the goal while Emmett was talking, and that's that's it. Like Bobby drops, picks the ball up, and then just slides a perfect pass in. And it's just, it looks like a vintage, like the famed front three goal. You know, that's Firmino dropping in, and that could have been Mane on the end of that, and it would have looked like four years ago. You know, you couldn't have, you couldn't have noticed any different except for the jerseys. So, yeah, it, it bodes really well that Andy Robertson is back to his best. You know, he's going to get some time off now, like a lot of the team are to recharge over the break. Hopefully, you know, like I'd like to think it's some of it's because Simicass was, you know, at least putting the assists up. He might not have been running games the way that Robertson can just seem to be everywhere on the pitch, but a little bit of competition goes a long way. So hopefully the same uh, sort of spurring on will happen with Trent having seen Calvin Ramsey coming in and not being a complete and total, you know, fluff in his first game that there might actually be some competition for both those fullback spots. Very good. I think it's, uh, I think with Simicast, I think Simicast tries to cross from deeper. I think it was great to see those kind of nearly just getting to the byline and nearly pulling them back. Um, like I said, when, when you said that famed front three, that's that's the way we play it. And it was great to see it, like a return. We don't know that that's going to happen for the rest of the season, but it, like, it works. So uh, why not do it? And touching on the Bobby thing, I was only talking about that on Saturday. Like it's great to see him kind of nearly dropping in as a midfielder and getting the ball like who 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 else better bobby and tiago in midfield <laughs> do you know what i mean two 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 people that play porn football basically and uh i just thought it was excellent yeah indeed so the first half liverpool in total control were three one up um the in the first half, Alisson doesn't have a shot to a, a save to make. Gavin Bazunu has four, and Bazunu makes some really good saves. Nunes sets one up for Salah with a little back heel. Um, Salah smacks it. Bazunu has a good save. And well, uh, Southampton are really lucky to get in the break at 3 1. Um, the second half, then, it's, it's a different story altogether. And it's Alisson who is the, the busier of the keepers. Um, in the second half, Bazumu doesn't have a save to make, and Alisson has four saves to make. I've seen a lot of people going on, and I do not agree with this in the slightest, that if it wasn't for Alisson, Southampton win that game. Now, this is a pet hate of mine, because it's as if to say, well, Southampton would have got, you know, three goals from three big saves from Alisson, but, you know, we all know if the first one goes in, the second one doesn't happen, blah, blah, blah. And that discounts the fact that if it wasn't for Bazunu making two or three excellent saves, we could have been six up going in at half time. But the impact that he's having for us this season, timing for the World Cup, it may be great for Brazil, but some of the saves he makes are just out of this world, aren't he, Emmett? Like that, that save yesterday, I, I think it was Chad Adams, wasn't it? The ball was played the in. And literally, I, I don't even think I think he's even closer to the goal than the six yeah. yard line, if I'm not mistaken. And he heads it down 
and you are expecting just a net to bulge, like, and it's just yeah. like, how did he did he stop it? And he didn't like he didn't just stop it, like he, he actually got it clear from like it could have easily fell to somebody's feet that was following it. He actually kind of got it out a bit as well, and he kind of nearly clawed at it. And I, I'm not gonna compare it to the seaman save, um, <laughs> Dave Seaman against Pesky Solido, but it wasn't too dissimilar to it because he nearly had to kind of claw it back. And uh, it was unbelievable. But I mean, the two the two saves before it were were excellent yeah. as well. The way he spreads himself. Um, but I'm I'm with you, Keith. Uh, I had an argument with somebody yesterday. We would have lost that game only for Allison. Like, Bazuna made saves as well. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? So like, I just I, I I don't particularly like that. Yes, they were excellent saves. I don't think it it saved the game. I don't think it got us to three points, and we would have only got a point without them. Um, because I think we should have probably done better with our chances in the, front, in the first half as well. Indeed, indeed. Um, Ma, what do you want to say about Alison Becker? I mean, I agree with Ashley L's comment. Been our most consistent player this season, without a doubt. Somebody else earlier mentioned that we have the best goalie in the world. And I, I can't say I watch all the other top goalkeepers, but, you know, he's just, in every aspect of his game, he's just phenomenal. Like, yeah, he can throw a rick out every so often, you know, with a poor pass out from the back, or he can really make you have a minor heart attack by, you know, trying to do a Cruyff turn when a player is trying to close him down or switch off a little bit and let Harry Kane almost nick the ball from him. But I mean, his one-on-one saves last year kept us in with a shout of winning the Premier League. Like, it wasn't even close. The number of saves that he had to make one-on-one. Same thing again this year. But the, like Evan said, that the save from the header, like – it's probably his biggest skill that doesn't get spoken about enough is that he doesn't just spill the ball right back in yeah. to the striker's feet. He's very good at controlling his rebounds. Like I grew up playing goalies in ice hockey and like, that's, that's what they teach you. Like deflect it out, deflect it out. Don't let it go back out in front of you. And you watch some of the other keepers in the league, you know, like somebody like Hugo Lloris. Yeah. You know, he's got a world cup winner's medal, but he just has this liability of just letting the ball drop right in front yeah. of him and, Allison just does not do that. He, he's he's so so good. And then just that his ability to pick the ball up and look up and see where our players are and just try to launch that counterattack. It's coming back into our game that little bit more. Like the whole team is regaining confidence and we're starting to play like Liverpool again. You know, that that real murky patch of caused by me coming over to Ireland for a visit, I think is now getting into our rear view mirror because just the last the last you know, three, four weeks, we just looked like Liverpool. And for the first two months of the season, we looked the furthest thing from the Liverpool that we all recognize. So it's, I don't like his shave though. I, I he could go. I was going to say he needs to be banned from shave. He needs you to think? be banned. Well, for, for two reasons, he, lo- he looks awful, right? <laughs> Let's face it. He's a handsome human being. He looks a lot more handsome with a beard. Number two, I thought I had missed some late team news yesterday because I actually turned it on. It was about two minutes in. I think the ball was played back to him, and I thought, what the fuck is Adrian doing a goal? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and then I realised it was Alisson that had a shave. So, yeah, he needs to be banned from shaving. 
Yeah, I agree. It's like Samson, you know, not that he lost his power or anything, but let's just keep the beard going. But look, it was an excellent performance by Allison, and a lot of comments in there are saying, you know, best keeper they've seen one-on-one, best keeper they've seen in their lifetime. And I agree with all that. I think he's been brilliant. Um, Sam Tandy, I think Liverpool have won eight of the last 10 games in all comps. We're slowly getting back to our best, in my opinion, and we'll get even better second half of the season. And I agree with that. I think that's something that, that will definitely be seen improvement on. But before we move on to that, um, obviously the game, um, I'd say Peter's out then. It's it's very very comfortable win for Liverpool, realistically. Last game before the um the World Cup break. But I want to talk about a couple a, a few players that um and see what you taught them because I thought were were excellent yesterday. And the first one I want to talk about is Harvey Elliott. So I find this talk of Harvey Elliott, you know, making us weaker and affecting Trent and all that it's it's a bit tiresome for me now because the unflow I think is excellent and I think he's playing really well and you know if Trent suffers by having Elliot there that's probably a little bit on Trent do you know what I mean to to maybe curb his game rather than, than Elliot to totally have to reinvent himself there's obviously a plan there by Klopp from the start of last season that he wants that sort of attacking player in that Right, right hand side of the midfield, and Elliot seems to be getting the nod there. Um, Emma, what did you make of his performance yesterday and, and his performance yeah, in recent I, weeks? I thought it was really good yesterday. I think his last few performances probably weren't up to his standard, but he's probably set himself a high standard. And if we're all kind of being realistic, he probably shouldn't be playing as much as he is at the moment. Mm. Um, he should be. And I hate when people say, like Foden, I'm not comparing them to Foden, I'm just saying the way Foden was used kind of sparingly by Pep and kind of eased into it. Harvey, unfortunately, has kind of been thrown in the deep end a little bit. And I think in terms of this season so far, I think he's done really well. Um, yesterday, I think he's the most it, minutes, doesn't he, for a teenager in the league? Yeah. He's the most minutes. But like Matt said, if he can put balls like that into Nunes, Trent can stay back on the halfway line if he wants. Yeah. Um, I just think people were questioning uh, his defensive capabilities. I thought it was really good yesterday. Um, maybe Trent didn't go that far forward and Robbo was going a little bit further forward. Maybe that was uh, the plan. Maybe that was predetermined. Um, but no, look, he's, he holds on to it. His first touch is absolutely unbelievable. Um, he holds the ball. Probably the, the area that he probably needs to work on a little bit is maybe needs to toughen up a little bit. He, he learned to ride the challenges. I think he can still get pushed off a little bit too easy. But look, he's 19. Like, do you know what I mean? He's, he's certainly his best years are in front of him. But um, yeah, I, I think he's, look, we're, we're so lucky to have him. Um, just probably the right time now for him to get a break with the World Cup and that because he's been thrown in the deep end. You don't want him burning out. Um, but yeah, I'm more, he's probably in the top three players of our uh, uh, best players of the season so far, him, Bobby and Allison, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't disagree with that. Um, Matt, I'm not going to give you Harvey Elliott Um Tiago Alcantara. What did you oh. make of Tiago's performance? Uh, I was another vintage Tiago performance as well. It's, there's something about when he gets like, you can see the balls coming to him. You can see the defenders coming to close him down. And everybody has to know that the body swerve is coming and it works every time. It's just so it's like, it's such a great little piece of skill that I, I can't think of another player, at least in the premier league that does it. 
And I don't know why they like, why are other people not trying to copy what he does? Like it can't be physically impossible for another player not to do it, but just that little shake of the shoulder and he's gone and he turns around. It's he's such a joy to watch. It's just, I mean, it's a pity we got him late and you know, he's got a bit of an injury record to him, but he brings a, a very different dimension to the team and to dovetail it back into Harvey Elliott. I think he's a great, great influence on players like Harvey Elliott and Fabio Carvalho. It, it just brings a totally different element to the game. Like you couldn't think of players much different than Tiago Alcantara and James Milner and Jordan Henderson. Like it's, you know, agricultural, hardworking, and then just flair dazzler type players there. And we got these young kids that are learning off of both those types. So uh, fantastic to see. And doesn't look like Tiago is going to be able to stay fit for the 30 games required for us to win the league. I believe that was Gab's shout. If he uh, stayed fit for 30 games, we'd win the league. So, well, you know, hopefully it's, it's 29. So we've got an excuse for why we didn't win the league this year. But uh, yeah, it's he, he's a joy to watch. You know, there won't be many years left of him with Liverpool. So you got to enjoy uh, when he puts in performances like that while we can. Emma, it's... <clears throat> You know, to, to see the performance, we've highlighted Harvey and, and Thiago there, but even Fabinho, I think, had a decent game yesterday as well. And and is the improvement of the midfield area important for Liverpool going into the second half of the season? Because we've all slated it up until now, yeah. saying, you know, blame the can't blame the defence when the midfield aren't functioning. We can't blame the forwards when the midfield aren't functioning. We can't blame the midfielders that aren't playing because the midfielders are playing, aren't functioning. Is it starting to, you know click a bit for them um, and um, is it a good time for it to start clicking with the break coming up I could, could have only got better basically yeah. right and do they need to improve further yes they definitely do even when it, like if we don't bring anybody in in January that's what we have to go with um, and <laughs> I don't know what what we can put the improvement down to um, I know we changed formation, it's probably changed tactics a little bit, but there seemed to be kind of a lot more energy out of the midfield. Thiago, Thiago had a couple of stinkers the last couple of games, yeah, and then he goes out and plays like he did yesterday. Like the best one, and sorry for going back to Thiago, was where he dropped his shoulder, he looked over one, looked over the other. There was two Southampton lads coming, and he literally just let the ball run by him, and the two of them nearly ran into each other. It was yeah. like Keystone Cops. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I think a fifth, uh, Thiago. Thiago and Fabinho together are probably our two best midfielders, I think. Um, yeah, I think we need to maintain. You just hope Fabinho plays very little over. And that's a selfish thing. Obviously, he'd like to play himself. Um, probably that they don't go deep. They kind of get to the boy and back up with the, the, the squad. And uh, are ready to attack the second half of the season. But yeah, if we don't add in January, the midfield definitely have to maintain what they have. Yesterday was was grand. They could probably still improve a little bit, but it wasn't near as bad as what it's been. Indeed, indeed. Now the final player I want to talk about, and we touched on it a few minutes ago, was Darwin Nunes. And he's really starting to come into his own. He's really starting to find his feet in the Premier League and in the in the Liverpool team and the Liverpool setup. And it's what I wanted to talk about was, you know, the 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 rush to jump on Darwin Nunes as a flop. 
And in the WhatsApp chat that day, the troopers have, someone was looking for the Nunes gif. And I just typed in Darwin Nunes. And one of the first ones that came up was his miss against Manchester United in pre-season when he'd only joined up with the team the day before. <laughs> only came on the pitch and hit one over. And there was a caption on it, uh, flop of the season, Darwin Nunes. And look, that was a common theme. You know what I mean? And, and up until recently, it's been a common theme. And not just from, you know, faceless accounts on Twitter, you're seeing it in the media, the mainstream media are saying, you know, Darwin Nunes this, Darwin Nunes that. We're starting to see a lad now, 23 years old, coming into a new league, finding into a trying too hard. I think we can all agree at the start he was 100%. trying too hard. That's what gets him the red card against uh, Fulham and Palace. Palace, sorry. And that's where he... Maybe was a bit over the over the ego, but we're starting to see him settling in now. And Matt, we'll come to you first. He's really, really starting to look like a really good signing, and I'm excited to see what we do in the second half of the season with Darwin. How are you finding his progression so far? Yeah, absolutely loving it. It's why I saved this comment from Manuel Federico Cachaza San Juan that uh, at Liverpool, Klopp will make Nunez not just better than Holland, but the best number nine on the planet. Period. I love the confidence. I, it's, I, I, I want to believe that as well. Too. I love your pronunciation. Fair play to you. I speak a little bit of Spanish. That's all right. Uh, but in, in baseball, they, they got a thing to describe the best players. It's called five tools. Of like, There's five things, you know, hitting, running, fielding, all these things. And to me, Darwin seems like that. Like He's a five-tool center forward. He's got the physicality. He's got the pace. Like Things that you can't coach. So, yeah, he's a little rough around the edges. He's a little bit raw. You know, his first touch can be off sometimes. He can snatch out a few chances here and there. But those are things that can be coached. And we've got a pretty brilliant coach. You can't coach a guy to be taller. You can't really coach a guy to be much faster than he is. Like, you can't teach speed. He's got that in abundance. And, I mean, yeah, early days, it was a little bit shaky. But if you go back, you know, after that Man United preseason miss – I think, what did he have, four against? Who did we play in the like preseason where he begged for? Leipzig, yeah. Didn't look like the flop of the preseason at that point. Then he goes a little bit off the boil against Palace, which was, you know, it is what it is. Players are going to get, he's got a Latin temper, let's say, yeah. you know, go with that old trope. Uh, but since then, like, I love his defensive work rate. That's the one thing about him that I wasn't expecting because, you know, we only saw him the two times, at least I did when we played Benfica last year and you noticed him going forward, you know, he looked dynamite, but you thought, ah, you know, maybe he'll be a little bit more of a show pony and not want to track back quite as much, but son of a bitch. Like, uh, I can't remember who it was four or five games ago that he's making a tackle on the edge of our box. Yeah. And then I think that was the game that was clocking fast where he clocked the fastest sprint speed and just, yeah, makes a tackle on the edge of our box and puts the afterburners on. And to me, like the, the pace that he gets from box to box of tracking back, helping out in defense, and then absolutely sprinting up the field to get in on the attack. Like it's very, very good for us because those quick transitions, I mean, he can come back and defend a corner. And then when Allison catches it and goes to release Mo Salah, he's going to be the next guy running in behind Salah because he is so, so fast. So, yeah. It's very, very exciting. Might not be better than Holland if Holland can stay fit because he also has all the tools you could want, except for, you know, a defensive work rate. So maybe he's missing one because he doesn't do anything off the ball Holland, but uh, I I'm very happy we got him and it could be the sort of signing that in a year or two time, 
even if the asterisk price comes true, still looks like a steal for us. Indeed, indeed. Uh, Emmy, yeah, I, I agree. Um, he was 100% trying way too hard. He's only like, he's only a kid, like, yeah, like he's 23, so still only a kid. Um, only had a couple of seasons in Europe, do you know what I mean? And I think he suffers. I read something that he suffers an awful lot with homesickness. I think he suffered an awful lot with homesickness at Benfica. I think at the start with us, I think he, he spoke about feeling a little bit homesick. So he, he needs to still, to still settle in. And look, we're all forgetting like Fabinho, right? Uh, regardless of what form he's in now, wasn't great when he first started playing with us and he was eased into the team. Uh, Robbo only got into the team because Moreno got injured. Um, so I think Nunes, we probably have seen him a little bit more than we probably would have if Diaz and Jota didn't get injured. He probably would have been eased into the team much the same as the others. So he's kind of nearly had to find his feet and he has. He's a lot more relaxed. We spoke about his goal. We spoke about his, uh, the setting up of Salah's goal last week where he would normally earlier on in the season would have spun and just blazed it into the, the cop or whatever. Um, so look... Um, I hope he doesn't lose his unpredictability or his little bit of madness. Um, like I can take a bad force touch every now and again, um, but I just Suarez had it. I don't want to compare him to Suarez, but like he was still that he had. He was likely to do absolutely anything, and I think Nunes has a little bit of that about him as well. But he's becoming a little bit more controlled. I think he did take a swipe at someone, if I'm not mistaken, in the game yesterday in the box. <laughs> and then tries to help him off the floor. But look, um, I still hope he keeps that little bit of edginess about him. But <clears throat> he's only gonna get he's only gonna get better. He's becoming a lot more controlled. He's getting a lot more confidence. I think somebody else in the chat said earlier on when he learns when he learns English, he's gonna learn English in a Scottish accent if he keeps playing in front of Robbo. But he still has to learn the language as well. I, I don't think his English is is good at all. I think Klopp made his, uh, a comment on it earlier on in the season to say that after he came back from the three-game ban, uh, he came back and he was apologetic and stuff, but he made a comment about his English not being any better. So I think he probably skipped a few classes. So once he kind of settles in fully, I think he's, he's going to be some player. Indeed. And look, it is a, a big barrier for players when you come to a new country. But the thing with Darwin, you know, he, he's a penarol, comes to a penarol, um, very young, goes to Almeria. Plays a season in Spain in the Segunda, then goes to Benfica, plays two seasons there. So he's always gradually improving and uh, making that step up. And the homesickness thing, I think that will be a case of uh, that'll settle down. Do you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. if he once he's he, he's I'm not saying he's at his destination now, but he's he's at one of the top clubs in the world. We'll all say the top club in the world. So. I think he's he's at a stage now where this is his home. It's up to him to make it his home. But what we're seeing from him is a player who, what I'm loving, I agree with Matt, I'm loving the defensive side of his game. I think it's brilliant. I think, you know, to see a forward player that's willing to graft on the other side, we've had Bobby, we've had Sadio doing that. Even more when he does it, it stands out and it's like, yeah, brilliant. Because you want to see that work rate from your forward players. But the pace this fella has is just fucking ridiculous. You know, he's so, so fast. Fastest player in the Premier League. He was the fastest or second fastest after Alfonso Davis clocked in the Champions League last season. This fella's a flyer. And, you know, Matt touched on when yeah, the, the, you know, the five pillars in baseball or whatever. And, and if you look at him from football, 
the size, the pace. We fall into the, the habit of putting them lofty high balls in. He's good in the air, but he's not a target man, you know. So you don't want to see us sort of floating balls in. I mean, you said it earlier. Them little whipped ones across the box is what he's going to um, eat and drink on for the, the the next few years, hopefully. But he's adding a new dimension. And something that was that was hit on earlier was what happens when Diaz comes back into the team. I'm of the opinion that our strongest front line, if we were to play in a Champions League final tomorrow and everyone is fit, is Diaz on the left, Mo on the right and Darwin in the middle. And I think the more games we get with that, and that's not that I dislike Jota. I think Jota is brilliant. I think he's excellent. But I just think Nunes as the central option for me is a better bet. Oh, look, Bobby. Bobby's my favourite player. The Klopp it. I think Bobby in a more withdrawn role is, is a better fit at the moment. But if I was going for the three, that's it would go with. Can you see the, that tree walking and can you see an interchange of them? You know, so Diaz goes central while Nunes goes left and etc. Mo is pushing in and someone's going right. Is that the way they're going to work this one out, Emmett? That it's going to be a case of mixing and matching when where needed? I think it will be because we saw a little bit of it yesterday. Mo popped up on the left-hand side yeah. at one stage. Uh, Elliot was over on the left. Then he was over on the... Nunes was over on the right. So, And, and it is, we spoke about it before, that... Back when it was Mane, Salah and Bobby, you didn't know who was going to pop up where. So I think that is probably the way they're looking to play. And it's great that maybe Nunes can play from the left. Diaz can play from the left. I think Diaz has said that he wants to be a striker. So, like, I mean, give him his, his chance in there. Stick, You're comfortable enough sticking Nunes. You've seen what you can do. Stick him out on the left for 20 minutes and stick Diaz through the centre. No joy coming from that. Stick Mo in there and stick Diaz out on the right. That they, they, they mm. all seem to be interchangeable, and I think that's probably what club likes to have is players that can switch position. Because I look, uh, I don't know anybody that's ever played in defence. Like it's trying to keep keep, keep track of your man. It's an absolute nightmare. So if you've got these lads buzzing and look how fast every single one of them are, mm. those three that you mentioned are, they are an absolute nightmare to defend against. And especially when you don't know who's playing where, it's just like the red arrows coming at you. And that's what we'd hope to see. Ma, how do you feel? Do you, do you agree with Emmett's? Uh, yeah, I, I, I was just starting to think about it. And I, I thought back at the start of the season, what we were seeing from Diaz was he likes to come back up along the left sideline, you know, get the ball and then cut in across the middle of the park. Well, if he's doing that, if he's dropping back to get the ball and then cutting across the middle of the park, that leaves a spot on the left wing where Darwin can just drift out. And then when the ball gets played from Diaz to whomever, he's now in that position. Like, yeah, the, the interchangeability of our players was such a key feature. And it, it allowed, even though we played the same front three, it seemed like every single game when it was Mane, Firmino, Sala, just having that little bit of interchangeability within a game seemed to keep things fresh and kept us from, kept us from getting kind of figured out by teams. And if you have that and you can add a third player in there that has blistering pace to it, like, yeah, it's, it's a game changer. And then Diogo Jota, like I, I'm starting to have concerns about his injuries just because he seems to be picking up, you know, not insignificant injuries kind of at a fairly consistent rate, but he's also extremely versatile. Like he's one of the, like out of the three of Diaz, Darwin and Diogo, he's the only one that's really shown me anything on the right. And you got to have somebody there to, you know, fill in for Salah occasionally, or if you want to put Mo through the middle, uh, you got to have somebody that's able to play out on the right-hand side. I didn't think Diaz has had very good games playing out on the right. He's obviously better from the left, but 
and he, there's another player there. So that gives us four forward options, not even counting Bobby Firmino, that are quite versatile and able to move around. So, yeah, once we get those guys back fit and firing, uh, look out. Does anybody think that the resurgence of our, of Robbo and maybe Simicast to a bit the last few games, I've just felt that Diaz was probably playing a little bit too wide at towards the start of the season. He was playing nearly with with the white paint on his boots. Yeah. It was that way he was kind of nearly cutting off the space for for Robbo to yeah. go into. Would that does that have anything Very to much. do with? Do you think so? So yeah. what way do we deal with that when he comes back? <laughs> Well, Robo's got to make an underlap. Mm. Yeah. Maybe it's just a case of, you know, as Mo done it on the right side, he was he was hugging the touchline. Yeah, and he was too far away from the central areas. And moving him in fields is, is after nearly, obviously not taking the, the leash off Mo Salah here, but maybe it is a case of saying to Diaz, look, don't get so worried. There's a space there between the fullback and the centre-back. Target that. And we know Robo <clears throat> or Simicas will be overlapping you you don't get it from the central midfielder on that side but you'll get it from the the fullback and that could be a simple thing you know maybe it was maybe it was an instinctive thing by diaz because maybe robo was a little bit below where he needed to be yeah true. and it was diaz taking that mantle on maybe he looked to me i thought diaz was excellent before his injury maybe taking on too much of the attacking board because the other lads weren't at it so i think it's just a simple case of just maybe moving him in 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 about five yards in field, and that could unlock him. But it'll be exciting to see. But it sort of brings us on to the the World Cup now. So you know that we get the win yesterday, which was the most important thing, how it came about, and that makes us sound like we were lucky. We went into it was comfortable. It was as comfortable a game as you'll see. But we go into the the winter break, well, the World Cup break now. We're in sixth place in the league. Spurs and United, two scottery wins. I have to say, um, last late, 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 late winning goals, which, you know, it's a good thing. I've said this about sports, but they're getting too many of these games where they're, they're needing late, late winners. And that look will run out eventually, you know, and, and no disrespect, but it's it's against Bournemouth, wasn't it? And it's against Leeds. You know, the teams, are, we can't say it because Leeds better us, but, you know, it's the teams that are really putting it to them and they're scraping these wins. I think their look could run out. I wasn't impressed with them against us last week. And United, they're, they're septic. They're getting a lot of credit. And I don't know really where it's coming from. I think they're, they're shy as well. Um, yeah, Garnacho was the new Ronaldo. Well, they need a new Ronaldo, apparently, because he told Piers Morgan he's off. So uh, that that's that's good for them. His best mate, Piers Morgan. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's mad, isn't it? There's something, yeah, there you go. But they, all of a sudden, now I know eight to six, that's not exactly a massive jump, but it's starting to look, you know, like the, the top four is starting to get reeled in a little bit at the right time. And we get these lads back in the second half of the season. And maybe we're in addition in the winter, who knows, in the January window, who knows. But it's starting to look not promising for Liverpool, but I'm looking at them two ahead of us, United and Spurs, and I think they're easily catchable. Newcastle then, I think, will fall away. <laughs> Um, and it's starting if Liverpool can put on a bit of a, a form, it's maybe coming at a decent time the the World Cup break because we need these lads back. But it's not as bad as it was three, four weeks ago. It's, it's not looking too bad, is it, I man? No, and uh, I agree with you. I think the, all the names that you've said there are uh, we can reel them in. Um, I still don't see. I, I still think City are obviously going to be the team to be. Yeah. I think that is a five points behind Arsenal now. 
Yeah. I think they're five behind. I still I still think it's City that you, you need to catch. But then they go and have a, a brain fire at the weekend as well uh, against uh, Brentford. So, look, I read something. We were further behind in January last year and we got to win in a point of them. So you never know what's going to happen. My only fear is, is I do think the players need a break. But at the same time, this break is probably coming at the wrong time for us because we're just building up ahead of steam. So you just hope that when we come back, we're firing on all cylinders. And we, we, we will have players back. Look, there's still no time frame on Jota. I don't think anybody's mentioned the time frame on him, but we know that Diaz is back running. We know that Matip is back uh, running as well. Um, but yeah, I just probably, maybe another game or two I would have preferred to have before this World Cup. Um, but look, anything can happen in the second half of the season. We, we clawed back 13 points last year. We can claw back similar amount in the second half of the season yeah indeed and um, ma what about yourself how are you how do you think we're shaping up yeah the teams we have to catch down like i there's a comment there i think it was kevo sullivan so you know city's probably going to win the league at a canter i think that as well too i think you know arsenal's probably comfortable for second and newcastle are, are so surprising to me yeah i mean they're two years ahead of where i thought they'd be so, I mean, if that leaves one spot open for Spurs, United, Chelsea, and ourselves to fight over, I like our chances, even being five points down. Like, having watched those teams play a fair amount this season, none of them, including us, have filled me with, you know, a ton of excitement, with the exception of, of course, being a Liverpool fan. And I think our our room for improvement is that much bigger I think Spurs are going to be in trouble because their their golden boy Harry Kane is probably going to get run into the ground in Qatar. You know, he's he is the option for England and if they go, you know, as far as they're going to get, it could be a real long taxing couple of weeks for Harry Kane and that's going to have a debilitating effect on Spurs. Chelsea look shot. Yeah. Chelsea look poor. And I don't know how in the hell Fulham threw that game away today. I thought Fulham battered Manchester United yeah. today and it uh, it heartbreaking to watch them just throw it away at the end because they were going for the win and they get absolutely done on the counter and I mean good finish and whatnot but there's there's dissension in the ranks at United it seems like obviously with the Ronaldo stuff coming out they've got to deal with that or else it's going to cause some major issues for them but I like where we are because I don't think there's any doubt that we're going to add players in January and we're going to come back, you know, our injuries should be mostly all but cleared up, maybe with the exception of Jada and Curtis Jones. Nobody's quite entirely sure what was happening with Curtis Jones, why he wasn't involved with the squad at all yesterday. Um, it's I'm always optimistic. So I, it's, I, I, I can't wait for this. I was dying for the break to come because we look like we really needed it and a chance to have a proper reset you know, have that little mini camp away in the Middle East and let the coaches get at the players. But now that it's started, it's like, how long until we're back? To like the 22nd of December? Come on, that's way too long without watching Liverpool play. So, well, yeah. We play I, City a week before that. No, we well, play on the... City on the 22nd of December. Yeah, yeah, the 22nd. On the 22nd. Yeah, yeah, it's the Thursday. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the 26th is the fourth league game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... You know, it's the 22nd can't come soon enough. I've never looked forward to Christmas this much since I was a little kid. So, but I, I, I think we're going to do it. I still, I'm still pretty confident we can finish even third because 
Newcastle, they got to add some players because second, second, if we tell second, here, Lord, <laughs> second, uh, and I'm looking at top as well. I'm not yeah. rolling that out until it's rolled out. <laughs> I, all joking aside, but I'm deadly serious. I'm looking at second as as where Liverpool, like Arsenal, are playing really, really well. Like they're they're winning the games they should win. They're looking much better team than they have in the past. That's that's the one thing I'll say about them. But until Arsenal prove me otherwise, I think they're flaky. And I think they... I, I'm banking on them falling away. Newcastle, no. Newcastle, I think, fall away as well. They're a decent team. But I'm not overly concerned about them either. I think Liverpool should be looking at second place here because they're a, they're a team that can put on a 12, 13, 14 wins. Haven't done it, you know what I mean? But but we've seen this team do it before. And if, if we start getting that... The, the bodies back in there, he'll know it, he'll have that muscle memory. Plus, a settled there with Nunes. There's no reason why we can't um claw these lads in. So, yeah, I'm definitely looking at second uh, until it's impossible. Then I'll, I'll accept Tord as a, you know, reluctantly accept Tord. But it's it's going to be a lot will come down to the World Cup. Now, how many players have we got going to the World Cup? Seven. I'm thinking seven. seven. I can only think of five. Who is it? So it's Trent and Hen that were going with England. Alessandro and Alisson are going with Brazil. Darwin yeah, is going yes. with Uruguay. Canate. Canate with France. And who else? Shit, I, had them, oh, I thought I had them written down. Somebody someone, in the chat. Someone, someone, someone in, in the, the chat. chat. Throw it in. Yeah, come on. Um, yeah, but only, only three. The one I've been giving about all season, <laughs> giving out about him all season for not performing because he's got one eye on the World Cup. Yeah, we said it on Friday uh, that there's probably only three of those will start, start games. Yeah. And if the others are going to start games, it'll be a dead rubber, last group game, already qualified. Um, so. Yeah, break glass no, in, in Trent's case yeah, in an emergency. Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's it's not yeah. going to be. I mean, yeah, who who's the tree? So Allison will start for Brazil. Van Virgil will start. Nunes and Darwin. Does Darwin start for Uruguay? Well, I didn't think he would, but yeah, lads, he's, he's in. Well, he is in would. there. He is in there, but I don't think he's guaranteed. Though. I wouldn't be surprised if he's playing coming off the bench. But we'll wait and see with that. But it's obviously you want players to be successful and, and I want Liverpool players to be happy but I would wish none of them are going to this World Cup but seven we'll we live with that you know we can live with that it comes back and you touched on it there Harry Kane at Spurs you know if they lose him I think they're in trouble the Ronaldo stuff at United is going to cause problems Um, there's no way it can't even if they ship him out now in, in January it's going to put a sour taste. And I wasn't impressed with them at all today. I think they've laid really, really punching above their weight so far in a poor league. Chelsea. I wish we, we were our game in hand is against Chelsea, isn't it? I'd, I'd be requesting that gets played this Tuesday. Immediately. Yeah. yeah. Tuesday, <laughs> if you don't mind, because they look absolute rubbish at the moment as well. And then you've got the likes of Brighton that are sniffing around there and Brighton will fall away. But, you know, there's so many of these teams are going to be reliant on their World Cup players. Even Brighton, Alexis McAllister's in the Argentina squad, you know, so the keepers in the Spanish squad, I think. So there's so many of them that are going to be impacted by this. So I think, you know, obviously we something could happen to air lads, but it's all the case, isn't it? Getting back from this World Cup and seeing where the runners and riders are, because one or two key injuries. Let's talk about Arsenal for a second. Thomas Partey could get injured for Ghana. They're there, Andy. Yeah. I think they are yep. Ghana qualified. 
they lose him, that's a key midfield player going for them. I think that impacts them. You know, one player that could <clears throat> that could affect them. City, City can absorb any injury, so I'm not over. And the one that we'd want to get, not that we'd want to get injured, but the one player they could deal with losing isn't going in Haaland. Um, maybe, maybe the Bruyne. I don't know. I'm not wishing an injury on anyone. They're you know. seventeen going though all the same. Yes, it's players. a lot of players. It's a lot of players, and it, it, it does a lot of starters for the countries as well. Yeah. And that's the thing, like, does the, the the uncertainty of how the second half of the season can go? I think let's see where we are at the end, at the start of um, well, the end of December, really, when we get back. But I don't think this league is over. I think there's a long way to go, and and it'll be exciting to see see what happens with that. But lads, before we do finish mm-hmm. up, and you have all spoke about. I was on my holidays last week, so I didn't speak about this. But the talk now is of um. A, an Indian businessman looking to buy Liverpool. Um, it's all getting a bit tedious now, isn't it? It's all getting a bit tiresome. Um, I think where did people that rumor make, start? I think people make these rumors <laughs> up and they get legs. I don't know where they come from, but I could have swore that was a makey up rumor that uh, I've seen somewhere before. And um, yeah, it, it's it looks like this 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 chap who's a sports mad owns teams in India in the cricket and all that is looking to to get involved. We're seeing others saying now it's Middle East, it's Middle East. Then we're saying it's definitely American, it's definitely American. I haven't spoke to you about it. What what's your feeling on this, lads? Are Liverpool gonna are FSG gonna sell? Are they gonna partially sell? Where where's this going? Ma well, I uh, I had my go at this on Friday at the end of the show. Oh, you didn't listen. I was on my holidays. Go tell yeah, me. Yeah, it's okay. It's, uh, it's I don't blame my wife. Doesn't listen to my show, so I can't blame you for not listening. Ah, but she's a lot of sense. A lot of sense. <laughs> I, I know. I know. She's smarter than anybody gives her credit for. Um, I think I think if they get an offer that hits a number that they have, because you know I said everything is for sale. Everything has a price in this world. And I think if somebody comes in and offers them that, I think they'll sell lock, stock, and barrel. But other than that, I can see them selling a piece up and just just to try to get back their original investment because these are owners that haven't taken money out of the team. They haven't taken money out of the team. So they put $350 million in. They've sacrificed the interest they would have made loaning the club money to redevelop the stadium and build Kirby. Interest-free loans. You know, they've sacrificed that. I mean, sacrifice, poo-hoo, poor billionaires. But... At a certain point, these are businessmen. They want to get paid. So at an absolute minimum, I would see them getting back their initial investment and keeping 80, you know, 85% of the team in the back pocket. But if somebody comes through, and I said the, to me, the big thing was seeing how much Chelsea went for. I think that made them go, ooh, hello. You know, <laughs> if Chelsea sells for that much and their stadium looks like that and our stadium looks like this, you know, their history looks like that. Ours looks like this. Their revenue, our revenue. We could get five billion. You know, and if somebody comes along and offers them five billion, I think they will put that in their pocket and walk on down to Las Vegas and start building a basketball arena. See, that's that's the thing, isn't it? The the basketball in Vegas, it's LeBron and FSG are linked with sort of getting the franchise out there. And and Elad says it in the chat as well. The Washington Commanders look like they're going to be up for sale and. Certainly, my you'll be closer to these sort of things, but NFL they, they don't come up for sale very often. Nope. And when you look at what some of the teams went for, 
and the, the commanders will be a hefty fee. This could be a case of cashing, cashing the chips in on Liverpool to buy and get in that NFL market. So I wouldn't rule out a full sale, but I'm looking at it in, in that sense. But Emmett, can you see anything in it? Do you, and again, if you spoke about this, apologies. No no reception yeah, I where know. I was. I didn't catch all the shows. Forgive me. But, um, I think it's, it's going gonna, gonna gonna to be one of two things. It's going to be, a, I think it's going to be a majority stakeholder which essentially means the person becomes the owner um or it'll be a, a full sell um and there's a lot being made of um mike gordon stepping back and billy hogan taking over kind of more of the day-to-day and um, there's a lot being made of clubs comments and people kind of interpreting his comments as past tense and um, which means that uh, he may already know that he's going to have funds to spend in January. And um, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're selling, obviously, but it might mean that there are, I think we probably are a lot further along the process than people think. So he may have been given some reassurances for January and maybe it was just, I don't know, what did they call it? Did they call it Freudian, Freudian slip or something like that? When, with the, how he was talking, was talking in the past tense and people kind of picked up on that. Um, I don't know what I want, if I'm being perfectly honest. I said on Friday that not all oil money or not all all oil billionaires are uh, own states or are responsible for what's held in states. So oil money isn't always bad money. Um, so, look, I just want us to... I want it to be quick anyway. I don't want it to be a long, drawn-out process. I know a process like this doesn't happen quickly. Um it needs to be the right owners. You need to be making sure that they're picking or selecting the right type of owner for us, similar to the way they are, but maybe somebody that is happy enough to spend that little bit more than what they were. Um, but um, I, I have no preference if I'm being being honest. I, I don't I don't want to be owned by a state. That's just it's a recipe for disaster. Um, I like the, the sound of this. Uh, by 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 him, or is it? Yeah, I like the sound sound of this lad. It sounds to me that him and Klopp have been getting on, get on great. Like, I mean, they both be running on to hug Allison if you get uh, if we score a late winner against Everton or something like that. This these celebrations are supposed to be mental. Yeah. Um, but um, look, yeah, I've I've no real preference. I just want the club to be in good hands, and I just want to see money for improvement. Yeah, Kev makes a great point there. Biggest fear is a Glazer type deal, and that's that's what we have to avoid because FSG picked up Liverpool for a song, you know, three hundred fifty million or whatever it was, four hundred million. That that's for nothing. When you look at the prices now, and you look at the the value of the club now, if you're talking about three billion deal or whatever it's going to be. It's a lot of bread. You know what I mean? So who stumps that up? My own opinion on this is it's going to be American. It's going to be. Um, not necessarily just Steve Ballmer, but, you know, yeah, Kev, Clippers won nothing in years. They're still shit. They are, but they did splash out to get Kawhi Leonard and and uh, Paul George. Paul George. So, you know, they, they're not that bad, but, they're, yeah, they're not great either. But Ballmer went in there. He, I think he was involved with Microsoft or something, was it? Or Apple, one yeah. of them. Microsoft, Microsoft. I think, and, and he, he cashed in and, and he bought the – and that was a huge deal as well at the time um, that he got involved with the Clippers. And – Maybe he is the man to do it. He's a very enthusiastic fella, but I just think for these prices, you're looking at a, a consortium. 
and you don't know who you're getting do you know what i mean and, and that's the worry Um, i've said it all along better the devil you know than the devil you don't if people don't like fsg i get that i i like them as owners i think they've been very good owners of liverpool and um, bit stingy at times maybe we can a bit over cautious more so than stingy um but i just i like what they've done with liverpool i like where they've got us and the fact that they haven't heaped us with debt so i'm fearful of what could happen there so when you get the oil stage i'm not talking about leverage buyouts or anything like that it's you know cash everything's in cash with them so uh we can we can wait and see what happens but yeah it could be you know the club are saying now it's only a percentage but we'll wait and see but too many a lot of people are saying that uh it's it's a lot further as emmett said it could be further down the line than we think so it'll be interesting to see which way it goes um just on the, the tour tour of trade he said there past tense clubs talking in his second language to be fair but it was it, it was it wasn't to do with language barrier or anything like that he was mm. he was talking about it as though that was in the past kind of like, do you know what i mean i don't mean past tense but he was talking about it as though previously we've not been able to spend money he's talking about investors and stuff like that it's it he it, it, it kind of gave, nearly gave you an inkling that he kind of knows something that maybe others don't yeah yeah and i i don't think like with the change somebody mentioned it earlier you know like the way klopp's kind of changed his tune and stuff like that i think whoever's coming in to be either a minority shareholder or take over the team lock stock and barrel I think for them, one of the most important things is that Jurgen Klopp maintains his position as the manager of this club. Yeah. And I I think, I believe that Jurgen Klopp has enough principles that if a shady owner came in, you know, somebody that is something that he's spoken against, I think he'd walk. And I think that in itself might be enough to insulate us from some of the unsavory types that are going to be floating around a sale like this. Because, I mean this is Liverpool football club. This is one of the major sporting institutions in the entire world. And it does not come up for sale very often. I mean, twice in 12 years, I guess it's pretty often, but yeah, like there's going to be all sorts. So if 200 people, you know, expressed uh, initial interest in buying Chelsea, you'd probably add a zero on the end of that number for Liverpool. And so I think having Jurgen Klopp there, and I don't think like, I think FSG are smart enough owners that Klopp will be somewhat in the loop, you know, maybe not on a day-to-day -day basis, but they know that they've got an absolute world-class legendary manager on their hands and they're not going to want to do anything. So this, the, the talk of, well, you know, we need to take more risks and stuff like that. To me, I don't read that as Klopp railing against the owners. I, I think they're on the same page. Like I've never once in Klopp's time with the team felt that he's been at odds with the owners and, you know, they've been butting heads or anything like that. Everything seems like it's been on the same page from when he came in. And, you know, he said they offered Disneyland to him at Manchester United and he didn't want that. So he sat down with the owners and they laid out how they're going to run the team and how it's going to work. And he went, yep, I like it. I'm on board. And he signed two contract extensions. So there's no reason for me to believe that he's got any issue with the owners. And I said it a couple of weeks ago on a show. If Jurgen Klopp comes out and says... I'm hamstrung because the owners aren't giving me the money that I need. FSG is done. They are done. If Jurgen Klopp calls, you know, if he blows the, what is it? The horn of Gondor and calls the troops in for it. A hundred percent of the fan base will become FSG out. Overnight. He, he came close to doing it. The January we signed Quebec and Davies. I think maybe his frustrations spilled over ever so slightly. 
it's the only time that I've, you've kind of thought that maybe there was a bit of friction there between him and FSG. That's the only time. Yeah. Yeah, possibly. And even then, is it at the owners or is it at the recruitment? And, and you know, you don't yeah. know. And that's that's people always jump at one thing and, and assume and it's not. A lot of people in the chat are saying, why do you not want them by Why do you not want them? I don't care who it is. Wants it is right. in the race, is he? Everyone thinks he is. He's done good things for Indian sports, apparently, and it's nothing against Ambani, and it's nothing, nothing. It's, it's like I said, I thought that was a made-up rumor <laughs> that started a while ago, and and now all of a sudden it, it's a thing. Um, I want the right owner for Liverpool. I don't care where they come from. Once it's the right owner, and that's the key for me. Whether they're American, whether they're Indian, whether they're Middle East, we're limited in what we can do. But before we finish up on this, and you may have spoke about this. When you're buying, if you're buying a football team, you're a billionaire and you're looking at Chelsea and you're looking at Man City and you're looking at Newcastle. Does the fact that Liverpool's fan base and the fact that SOS are quite heavily involved and the fans don't take shit, does that impact a new owner coming in or do they not care? You know, for example, hypothetical, let's say the the, the Prince of Kuwait, I don't know if they have a prince, but let, I'm just thinking of an oil country that don't own someone, right? So the Prince of Kuwait comes in, wants to buy Liverpool, gets told, say, listen, you can't just come in here and do what you want because these fans will run amok. Do they care about that? Or is it something they really have to take into consideration? You know, they have to understand that you buy Liverpool and you can't just go in and do what you want. Like Cardiff's owner came in and changed their kit from blue to red. Do you know what I mean? Like that, that there has to be an understanding from whoever it is that you're born Liverpool, they're based in a city that's extremely socialist. And whether you believe in all that stuff or not, you know, cap it's a capitalist world now in, in football terms, but you can't just go in and do what you want there. Well, that up, but that put off buyers, or do you think it's just now this is one of the top, top teams now and, and they want to get in on that? Matt, uh, I mean. Tough. I the comment I just threw up here from Dino that Ornstein said uh, in an interview today. I think somebody said it was on NBC Sports that FSG would only sell to someone the fans are happy with. Like, well, I mean, good luck pinning down what the fans are happy yeah. with. I mean, there, there's a million ways to interpret that, but uh, you'd have to be unbelievably brazen, which I guess you probably are if you've got enough money to buy a sports franchise to not take into account how your presence will be taken by the fans like it's you'd have to be crazy to do it and i don't know how much a football team can function as that like you know jeff bezos elon musk like look at me because the biggest thing holding it back is that the team that wins the trophy the trophy doesn't get handed to the owner first if they change the rules in the Premier League and in UEFA that at the end of the season, the team that wins the trophy, the owner gets the trophy first like they do in baseball and like they do in the NFL, you'd see a lot more guys like that. Bezos would be lining up to buy you know, a team so he can be the guy that does the tippy taps and lift the Champions League. But uh, I, I do think that because it's too much of a risk, like if you're going to spend $4 billion and the people that you're counting on to you know, support that club are against you from day one like it just seems lunacy to not take that into account maybe it's just wishful thinking <laughs> Damn it. well I, I will say one thing 
Okay, and I'm going to have a go at Manchester United here. It's unlike me, but I am. If Liverpool's fans turn against the owners, they're different to other fans. They will not let that, they will not let that go. They will not put the... Look, we used to wear blue and white. So let's say we break out these blue and white scarves, right? <laughs> right? So we break out the blue and white scarves. All of a sudden, they sign a player. The blue and white scarves wouldn't go back into storage until we're annoyed with them again. I don't want to bring up things like Hillsborough. I don't want to bring up things like the, the Sun. We we don't let things go. Yeah. It's the wrong fan base to get on the wrong side of. And you're 4 million or 4 billion, sorry, massive 4 million. I think somebody yeah. said they're convinced I put it. It was 4 million and we put in a bid, but 4 billion, um, <laughs> your 4 billion asset loses value hand over fist if Liverpool's fan base turn against you because they will we will stop buying tickets we will stop buying merchandise we won't just do it for a while until you sign a shiny new toy and then like do you know what I mean so it's the wrong fan base in the world and I know it's easy for me to say as a Liverpool mm -hmm. fan but we've seen so many examples of it so anybody coming in should <laughs> um care what the fan base thinks because our fan base has the power to change. Look, FSG made a whole rake of change, a whole rake of mistakes, but our decisions, not one of them happened because of the fan base, right? Um, and that would happen again. And it, it wouldn't stop until things changed. We're, we're like a dog with a bone. We're always the wrong fan base to pick on because we just don't let things go. Yeah. Bad time with John Lowe just to get his point in there. Why do fans act like FSG fit the values of the city? They tried everything in their power to push through things that were opposite of what the local fan base believe. And we had them for over a decade. As Emmett just said, what went through? Do you know what I mean? Exactly. What went through? None of them. Because of the fact that fans reared up. And that was before the SOS and the, the fans. Um, we didn't have to break into any board. stadiums. Around, no. Like, yeah. Get games called off. Yeah. No, and it's true. It's, it's, um, it's something that... FSG get a lot of criticism for it. It's the easy stick to beat them with, but none of it happened, and that's the point, you know, because, Pete, I've seen comments in there about, oh, you don't have to be socialist. You don't have to be a socialist on that. Billionaires tend not to be socialists. You know, <laughs> that that's the that's the key bit here, that they're capitalists. We know this. Um, it's something that, it's something that you just have to take on board, because, as Emmett said there, right, so you could do that, and you can say, fuck, I'll do what I want. It's my team now. And I don't care if the local fans go, because for every local fan that leaves, we have a hundred fans queuing up to take their place. But over time, that erodes the 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 atmosphere and and what makes Liverpool great. Because if I've said this before, if you want to follow Liverpool, you should understand the city of Liverpool and the people of Liverpool, and not just take it on as a football club. You have to understand everything about it, and that's where I just hope it's something that is considered do you know what i mean at the right owner whether it be ambani whether it be prince kuwait whether it be steve balmer whether it fucking better not be elon musk he's making an absolute balls of twitter but where whoever it is it has to be the right owner that's all we fans should ask for demanding them to spend billions and billions on players if it doesn't happen then you're setting yourself up for a bleeding fall do you know what i mean like smart people do smart things and, and we just have to wait and see. But look, we've kept as long so, enough. Somebody, somebody mentioned uh, Spirit of Shankly earlier on in the comments there saying that they won't have any say whatsoever in this deal. They won't have any say in it, 
But I I would think that FSG will be looking for opinions on it. Um, well, they're certainly the only fan group that has even a cursory seat at board level yeah. in the Premier yeah. League. Yeah, so, they're, they're not going to be. They're not. They don't going to have a vote on who it goes to. But they, yeah. they, they, some of these proposals or some of these potential buyers, I'm sure, will be ran by them to say, "What do you think? What would what would you feel that the fans' opinion on on owners like this will be? It's an opinion. They don't have a say in who it is, but they'd be mad not to to in, include them in some way, shape, or form." I want to take this comment here from Paul Smith uh, to all those fans that are against owners from an oil state, but some of you want Ambani as our next owner who is a right-wing fundamentalist. You're all hypocrites. Uh, I touched on this on Friday. It, to me, to amass the amount of money required, you've done obviously at least one or two things that go against my personal ethics, my morals. You don't amass billions of dollars by keeping your nose clean. It's impossible. It's just impossible. I draw the line at tyranny. I draw the line at people that are connected with governments, which in this day and age should be past the point of keeping basic human rights from people, you know, of oppressing people, of making people's lifestyle choices illegal. That's where I draw the line. So for me, it's not about the oil state part of it. I might not like the oil industry, but I'm also from Canada. We have some of the dirtiest oil in the world coming out of Canada. So it's not about that. The, the corporate side of things, how they've amassed that wealth, it's always going to be dirty. It's always going to be dirty. There's no way around it. But there's yeah. a certain level of oppression that I don't want associated with my football club. And if that becomes part of the football club, that's the point where I step away from that football club and wait for them to leave. I can I, I I will get to the point where if we're involved with a terrible, you know, an owner that has a direct connection to a repressive, awful, tyrannical regime, I'm okay putting my Liverpool fandom on the back burner for a few years and maybe trying to help do what I can. It's hard from Canada, you know, as opposed to being in Liverpool, to try to get new owners into the club. Because I'm going to be a fan of Liverpool until the club ceases to exist or I cease to exist. And if I need to wait out shitty owners for two, three, four, five years, then that's what I'm going to do because that's where my morals are. So it has, it like, I, I don't think it's fair. I, I think people are using language without clarifying it enough by saying, you know, Middle Eastern oil states, because that makes it sound a, a tad xenophobic. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it has nothing to do with the Middle East part of it. It has to do with the tyranny part of it. For me, at least, I am not going to. I'm. I'm not going to. You know. Well, I said. I said it earlier on. Not all oil money is bad. That's what I'm saying. Not yeah. all oil money uh, are people that yeah, made it is. are bad people. I mean, well, in an environmental way, it is. Well, you know what I mean. But in t I'm talking about in terms of states, in terms of human rights, the LGBTQ, and all that kind of stuff. Um, those kind of ways. Just John made a point there saying if FSG get offered five billion from the Gulf, I can guarantee you they won't give a shit what, what SOS say. Once they're done with LFC, they'll never deal with fans again. Look, I think uh, Matt said it earlier on. I think Klopp, Klopp is in tune with the Liverpool fans. He's probably one of the, one of the managers that's been most in tune with the fans. Probably since Shankly. The fans react to him as, as they did with Shankly. And Matt said it himself as well. If he decides to go, that's a massive uh, kind of deal in terms of what their asset is worth. Klopp, 
as much as FSG got us to where we are, Klopp was there as well, and he's a big part to, to play in how valuable we are now. Like, we weren't worth four billion back in 2015 before he took over. Do you know what I mean? So he's a big cog in that. And if he's in tune with the fans and he decides, I don't like this, I'm gone, they they lose a billion overnight nearly. Yeah, it's very true. You know, it is very true. Um, Kev with a little dig in the ribs there for the, the Everton's, uh, unlike Fat Frank Club, does get to see. Yeah, he does. He, does. he certainly does. Um, boy, like, I, the thing, to ahead. keep in mind, we have a, we have a sponsorship deal that gives the club a percentage of sales. So if you anger the fan base and people stop buying kit, they stop buying training gear, that directly affects the bottom line. Like it's something that I find funny that all the people going, oh, we just need the owners to pump in a few more million and we'll be fine. Well, why don't you buy more kit? You have a direct, as a fan, you have a direct way of increasing the revenue of the team. So all those people, oh, we just need somebody to throw 80, 90 million in. Well, why don't you start a Facebook campaign or a Twitter campaign of let's all go out and buy all three of the new kits, you know, and then you're each directly contributing. What is it? 20% from each sale. That's 60 pounds each. You get a million people. There's 60 million. But no, everybody just wants magic money that has no strings attached from a perfect owner that has a spotless, you know, business record, no questionable morals, and they never want their money back. You know, you want somebody like Abramovich that's going to put in 1.6 billion and then just go, ah, don't worry about it. We'll call it even. It doesn't work like that. Yeah, pretty true. And I mean, these people could probably spend 60 pound on all the kits on DHG, you know what I mean? And then complain that the club aren't, aren't getting the money. So yeah. it's, a, it's a, a flipping point, but it's true, you know, like that, that you can't have, um, you can't have it all your own way. But it'd be interesting to see how it develops over the, 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 the coming weeks and months um, if it does develop but uh, yeah very very interesting how it goes loads of comments in there if everyone can just hit the like um, even if you didn't like it just hit the like Liz sake having us begging you for likes and if you didn't like um, it just comment in the comment yeah. section what well. didn't you so, like about it yeah you know and you know hit these guys up they've put their uh, Twitter handles on so you know bombard them I believe it's called brigading you know get all your friends in and nice one man Matt does have Twitter. He just does. He just doesn't share it. He hides it well. You have yeah, to go really well. digging deep for it. Uh, Kev yeah, like, mentioned something there. Speaking of um, <coughs> state-owned and oil money, uh, the um, is it the X the the betting company? The CE thing. Yeah. Eight X bet or X eight bet? Teddy Sheringham involved in it now as well. <laughs> yeah. Did you see the the person signing the contract as a, a, model, a model from London? Yeah. Actress, I mean. Yeah. If you look, people will say, Oh, I don't care about that once you're getting money. You shouldn't really care about it, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Man City are boasting about record world profits and all, and it's so so shady. It's yeah. you know, that, that's another thing. Everybody wants a billionaire. We could we could get somebody in that has a hundred billion. That doesn't mean that they're going to be willing. And I, I, I get that what, Matt, what you said, Matt, that if, if you've got billions, you've bent a few rules somewhere along yeah. the line, but that doesn't mean that they're going to be willing to go to the extent that. City's owners, and I'm not going to say Newcastle's owners because we've now kind of proof or anything, but there's so much proof there of what Man City are doing. Like, some of the companies that are sponsoring Man City are owned by the people that own Man City, so it's just not is it ethical, is the word that I'm looking for. But, um, yeah, it's just I, I just I think it's gas that sharing them is involved now as well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, hilarious, hilarious. Well. 
Uh, we'll leave her at that. Loads of digs. As I said, hit the like button. Hit the subscribe if you don't subscribe. There's plenty of, of shows. Gav will be back. He was over at the match. Usually a bad sign. A bit like Matt. Um, he's a bit of a Jonah when he goes over. But we had a good win. He'll be back um, this week. I'm sure there's a winners and losers on tomorrow. Um, and I'm sure we're back then. Uh, I don't know what the plan is during the World Cup. I know we are going to be busy doing plenty of shows. And, and what the week schedule will be like, we'll find out soon. Gav has but, done it. Uh, Gav had said that he has a lot of stuff from over there, so I think he, he did a few podcasts over there. Yeah, while he was over there, did a bit of recording while he was over there, and that's all coming this week as well. So, yeah, so plenty that. of content. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, should be good. Hey, before we go, you uh, do you guys think do you guys think uh, Lampard's still managing Everton when the league comes back? I don't. Ooh, He's I don't fucking know. brutal, isn't he? I think he's going to get the bullet here in the next week or so. Yeah. Like, is, there, is, there a bigger, is, is there a bigger insult than for you to throw your jersey into the crowd and for the crowd to throw it back at you? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was Not bad. a great look. Yeah. Not a great they're, look. they're actually, what are they? They're, they're four points less. They're four points worse off this season that they were last at the same stage last season under Rafa but yeah it's it's, yeah. it's all Rafa's fault and Frank yeah, gets us Frank gets us relegated all, that's what Frank gets all he bought well Rafa spent 1.5 million was it to Marty Gray and Andros Townsend on a free or something yeah Frank spent 80 million but look they're a gas crowd to Everton um they have to be put out of their misery at some stage don't they and go down but you'll oh, miss them when they're gone we'll yeah. miss them when they're gone yeah you can watch them back. in the championship, I suppose. That's well, right. we will leave it there. It's half 11 at night. Um, listen, thanks everyone for joining us. It's not the usual. As we said, we switched the Matt's Fantasy tree at the back here. Worked well. But um, they, I'm sure from next week we'll be back to a fat back four. Um, I've been your host, Keith. Matt and Emma joining us. We'll see us all again soon. Good night. Sports Social Podcast Network.